Hello. It is Friday. That means bring it in with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? Fantastic, Gerard. How are you? I'm good. You were you were having a good weekend last weekend, in a wedding, living it up, having a good life. How was it? Was it a good time? Oh, dude. I, I don't want to get into too many details, but <laughs> my cousins throw like royal wedding. So yeah, like Chateau Briand and sushi and Asian bars and the whole thing and five hours of dancing, 10 piece band. Oh, right, we're talking good oh, time. And, 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 and a lot of, a lot of R and B, a lot of R and B and Pitbull, of course, run my hand. <laughs> was an after party with the club music. Till, wow. Till oh yeah. Coach, did you, are you, I mean, you're, 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 uh, you can stay up late. Was that, were you and the wife making the after party? We stayed, I think, till maybe one twelve forty five one. But I we had to get back on the road first thing in the morning. The thing started at five thirty, tribe. <laughs> we, we, we put in some time, my man. But I will tell you, the best part besides that whole thing was um, my son was able to come home this week and not have spring break, and just hang with us and t- take classes virtually. And so he and I caught some NCAA tournament games together. Went and hit golf balls together one day. I haven't seen this kid for more than an hour or two in two years. Uh, because he's got another commitment, but um, mm-hmm. I love my son, and he loves his mom and dad, and it's been nice to be with him. Well, anyone who listens to Bring It In and, and or just either started recently or has been following Coach Thorpe knows for years, yes, Coach Thorpe loves basketball, but loves nothing more than his family. Yeah. Um, and I imagine for you, it's uh, not strange, but it, it's an evolving situation in that, well, Max is an adult now, and the older he gets, right? It's sort of like the less and less time that you, because as you said, he has a life, like he's got basketball to worry about. He's got to go get his career started. right. So is it like, are you having these like bittersweet moments where you're with him and you're kind of just there and you just don't talk and you just kind of like soak it all in? Well, during the, during the games, I told my wife this morning, like my son used to not be much of a talker, but they've done such a great job with him. His charisma is really coming out. And uh, he won't shut up because he's he's almost like showing off what he knows the game. He's a 96. Well, before Arizona lost, he was in the 96 percentile on the bracket. I'm like at 18 or 16, whatever. But um, not that I watch college. But um, uh, it's yeah, it's there's the bittersweetness is I could have done more. Like I just have a lot of I could have done more as a dad mm-hmm. and whatever. But I'm happy to say that he, uh, he needed some clothes because I bought him clothes in two years because when he <laughs> went to college, there was a pandemic. No stores were open. Right. And he had grown, and I wasn't just going to buy shit off the rack. He's, you know, right. tall and, you know, 43-inch shoulders and 31-inch tw- and waist. Like, <laughs> you don't get that shit on the rack. No, you, you need to get some tailoring done to those right. things. <laughs> so he let me take him shopping. Uh, he wanted, he like, he wants to start dressing like a man. He's got a girlfriend that's pretty serious, and he wants to look like a grown-up, finally. <laughs> so that was very enjoyable. He, and my, my wife had said, your dad knows what he's doing when it comes to fashion. Just trust him. <laughs> You will look good. And he said, okay. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen all the time. He wouldn't agree with that with movies or TV shows or whatever. But I, everything I picked out, he liked. And, it, and the stuff that we found fit and whatever. And, and he leaves today. And I won't see him again. I think we're going to sneak up to him. He, he and his sister are getting together for their 21st uh, birthday in Tallahassee. And we, my wife and I just said, we are crashing that party. <laughs> Because they're going to get together with his teammates in FSU. She's bringing her best friends from Orlando. And when my wife speaks up, like, no one argues. Like, she's like Udonis Haslam. So when she says, no, we're coming to crash that party. We'll, we will be with you at midnight. They just said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so I'll, see him in, I'll see him in a couple months for his 21st birthday. <laughs> 2021, you're probably like, damn, where all the time fly? Because you can remember their, their oh, yeah. birth like it was yesterday. <laughs> 100, 100% right. Like, every parent would say the same thing. But I would tell you the cool thing, Gerard, and then, then we could talk about pe- things that people might be interested in. Um, he, uh, he loves the fact that I post uh, his old videos on Facebook from baseball when he was eight. Not, he doesn't remember any of that. He, he remembers some stories, but doesn't even know there's video. And he likes knowing that, that I wasn't five. I wasn't <laughs> 10 or 12 when you had your home run and when you right. had the game-winning hit or whatever. I was an adult that remembers right. this stuff. Right. And he wants to hear these stories. Failure, too. It doesn't matter. So th- it's interesting that I'm a repository for his memory mm-hmm. when he was too young to have that. And he never wanted to tap into it before. And he does now. Mm. Uh, as well as the fact that he knows I've somehow kept his mom happy for we've been yeah. together since 87. And he has a girlfriend that he doesn't want to let down. So he there's some lessons he wants to learn. Him. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, look at that. You, good, good, good on you and Chrissy on raising wonderful kids. Yeah. Shouts to Max and Rachel. Yeah. 
All right, Coach. So here where I live in New York City, um, Mayor Eric Adams has lifted the COVID-19 vaccine mandate for athletes and entertainers. Um, so that now means that Kyrie Irving can play in home games at Barclays Center. Um, he can play at Madison Square Garden. Of course, he can play on the road. He cannot play in um, Toronto still. That is, the, that is the only place that he's not allowed to play. And I thought what was interesting about this was Eric Adams, when he made the announcement on Thursday, said, I was not lobbied by anybody. You know, this is, I'm following the signs. Well, did a little bit of research. And Lindsay Adler, who covers the Yankees uh, for the Athletic, if I'm not mistaken, she was doing a little bit of research and found out that, well, in fact, it is true that there was lobbying going on, that the Brooklyn Nets hired a lobbyist firm and paid them $18,000 a month for the explicit purpose of lobbying the mayor against the uh, about on behalf of changing the health mandate. Now, remember, when it was just Kyrie's situation, Eric Adams was talking very tough, like he's got to take the vaccine, we're following the signs, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if you noticed this, but the minute baseball season came back and the agreement was made between the MLB, MLBPA and MLB and the Yankees and Mets were now in question, which, listen, say whatever you want about whether you like basketball, baseball, that doesn't matter. In this city, in terms of capital and sway and who matters, the Yankees are at the top of that list. Right. Okay. And I would also posit that if a Knicks player was unvaccinated and it was a star Knicks player or had Kyrie and KD been on the Knicks and Kyrie was not vaccinated, things might be a little bit different because of who the Knicks are in terms of cultural cachet. And I just thought it was interesting that the pressure from the Yankees, the Mets, the Nets doing their doing their lobbying and Adam saying, oh, I wasn't lobbied. And look, we, and it's by the way, politicians get lobbied all the time. Lobby firms exist for a reason to argue on the interests of whatever it is that, that, that they want to have happen. Um, I just thought it was fascinating that all of a sudden now, oh, look, you know, he was like, take the vaccine. We're not, I'm not going to worry about one player. Now, all of a sudden, Kyrie can play. It, it is amazing how that stuff works. It comes down to money, right? Someone, someone paid that, those lobbyists for a reason, right? They, they, there's money involved in there. Jotarad, I remember, you know, we launched Bring It In because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I remember having conversations with you and Henry about this subject the science of all of this and my wife was talking the other day about um uh you know think of a mask like you would think of uh an umbrella which i know she didn't make this up if if you're even if you've been vaccinated if you're in an area that that has been suffering from a lot of infections put a mask on put a good which she just she just yesterday told me she ordered the newest kind of mask you can get the safest the newest safest ones you can get because we think another surge is coming and the reason why I bring this up to you is because I think it's not going to be unique to Florida. <laughs> I think they're going to be dealing it where you live too. Mm -hmm. And so all of this, at the, end of, at the end of the day, we're trying to protect people, including Kyrie mm -hmm. and his family. I think maybe he has children. I don't remember. I know he he's does. got mm -hmm. adults in his life. Mm -hmm. uh, they're senior citizens. We're trying to protect them. The league is trying to protect them as well as their fans and the kids of their fans and the grandparents of their fans. Um, we shouldn't lose sight of that. And so th there's, there's potential tragedy because of these decisions. As a basketball fan, I think you and I can agree we're fired up. Mm -hmm. Let's see, everyone at full strength, let's tip it off and see who's mm -hmm. best. It's mm -hmm. four of seven for four series. But uh, all it takes is one horrible COVID infection that turns into someone's you know, serious injury or death or serious disease and death, starting from this decision uh, and we're going to think, what are we doing? Yeah. So yeah. Um, separate from the whole process, the integrity of the process, I think, seems in question, too. For sure. And for sure. Troop, we like to question the integrity of the process at the NBA. Yeah. And to be fair, right, I understand where people were coming from. Look, as you know, clearly, we are pro-vaccine, pro-boosting, and all that on here. The law was looking ridiculous, right? It was like, okay... Once they lifted the mandate where fans didn't have to have vaccines to come into the building and didn't have to wear masks, well, so Kyrie can come into Barclays, sit courtside opposite the bench, non-masked, non-vaccinated, but he couldn't play on the court, which is literally right in front of him. Like, the optics of that were stupid, right? It's like, if it's about safety, nobody should be in here unvaccinated and, and, and unvaccinated, right? So it, So from a visual and optic standpoint, I understand people's 
issue with the rule, but that doesn't stop the fact that you should be vaccinated anyway, right? Like that, like that, this problem would be solved if you were like if you were vaccinated. Nobody in the Knicks had an issue because everyone on that team is one hundred percent. hundred percent vaccination. No problems, right? And yes, you know, the visiting players who came in who weren't vaxxed got to play. I understand all that, right? But again, this could have simply been solved had he decided, I'm just going to take the vaccine. We don't, we don't have these questions. We're not worried about mandates and lifting and who's not and who isn't and what. But anyway, that saga is over right now. And to your point, COVID cases are on the rise here in New York. The BA2 variant is growing slightly more prevalent. It, look, it isn't anywhere near what it was like at the peak, right? Um, it, it's just not. And that's because of the amount of people who are vaccinated and boosted right now. Um, but yeah, to your point, surges are going to happen and we'll have to just keep monitoring it and keep being vigilant about what we're doing as a society going forward. You know, um, I, I know we're not going to get into it. We, you and I might on our own, but uh, just watching uh, the, uh, the justice, I don't know how to refer to it yet, this, the nominee for Supreme mm-hmm, Court, mm-hmm. Uh, and hearing her talk so eloquently about the law and, and also not want to answer questions that are out of her field of expertise. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a human being, I, I get concerned with people like Kyrie who, who just think they know better on, on a particular topic that isn't their area of expertise. I, I not even close. I, I am an expert in basketball, and I wouldn't argue with Kyrie about certain things on the basketball court. I think he's smarter than me on things on the court. I'd listen to him. But on these kinds of things, people like you and I, who are no dummies, we're going to defer to the experts who are doing painstaking research on these things. And it's, I just wish I, I, wish I was friends with Kyrie and I could say, dude, just don't fight on, this is not the battle to fight for. No. The, the marching for George Floyd was. Mm-hmm. The, the, the work against uh, the way civil liberties are being um, attacked, as well as people's lives, uh, institutionally, systemically, those are, those are hills worth dying for, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because they're more abstract in a way, not mm-hmm. fully abstract. There, there's some hard edge to it, too. But, but this, is, this is pretty clear science that, you, that we, we have so much, much data. And so it's just my point on this is it's going to be his whole life, probably. You're always going to be something. He's always going to mm-hmm. use nose better than this, that, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's too bad. It's, it's, it to is? me, it's a harder life going forward for him and it's life is hard enough as it is man it's hard enough as it is he just makes it harder yeah you know? i'm with you 100 on that 100 all right sticking to things on the court coach earlier this week there was a game down in miami and i really wanted to talk to you about this because you know one of the principals involved intimately and i also want your perspective as a coach yeah so this was the game, uh, Miami Heat versus the Golden State Warriors, just for context for people. Uh, so Warriors, second night of a back-to-back, um, they played without their big guys. So no Curry, no Clay, no Draymond in that game. Um, and they went on a 19-0 run to start the third quarter. Eric Spolster calls a timeout. And, you know, there's some heated um, activity going on in, in, in the huddle. Which, by the way, I want to make this clear to everybody, this, that stuff happens all the time. Now, the reality is it usually happens either during practice, during film sessions, or in the locker room where we're not there as media, or there aren't 25,000 people with cell phone cameras taking video, right? But on an occasion, it happens on the bench. Okay, fine, whatever. Udonis Haslam, who you know well, is seen saying to Jimmy Butler, I'll beat your ass, I'll beat your ass, I'll beat your ass, having to be held back. Jimmy is saying something as well. I, we couldn't tell what that was. Eric Spolster is saying to Jimmy when he's sitting down, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to fight you. But then the two of them have to be held back because Spoh's going at him as Jimmy's walking back out onto the court. And I want to set this up under the framework as this is part of Miami Heat, hashtag Heat culture, right? This is what they allow to go on down there. And I looked up an article where Udonis spoke to GQ. Um, this is like at the end of last year, coach. And he described in this article what Heat culture is. And he says... It's a lifestyle. You can't just tap into it when the season starts and tap back out when it's over. That's how your ass gets hurt next year in training camp. You pretty much have to stay in shape year-round. Heat culture is discipline, accountability, work ethic, and enjoying someone else's success. And the Miami Heat allow Udonis to be the patroller of the locker room. He said it in that article, Spo leads, I bring up the rear, right? They let me have control and police the locker room and do all these things. And... 
I understand, right? He's an OG. He's a veteran. That's what he calls himself. Anybody that comes to mind has got to come see me first. Get all that. That works. After the incident happened, Spo was like, you know, that's us. That's our culture. Not a big deal. Like, we're more concerned that we're not playing good basketball. You know, oftentimes these are moments where teams, where guys can galvanize and it turns it turns things around. I think that there is a value to having someone like Udonis Haslam in doing that. I do wonder, though, from a heat culture perspective, how much, because it's an, it's, to me, you're walking a fine line when you allow that kind of, when you allow that to happen, because everyone's kind of almost on the edge. You allow people to speak their minds, hold people accountable, be direct like Jimmy Butler is. Does someone like Jimmy Butler, who's a 12-year NBA vet, does he need Udonis Haslam yelling at him, I'll beat your ass, versus if it was a year two player or some younger guy who really isn't all brought about, right? You, you, you see where I'm going here with this, Coach? I'm just curious what your thoughts are on the situation and then sort of the potential unintended consequences of hashtag heat culture. Boy, there's a lot to unpack here, Gerard, um, for a team that's the number one seed in the East, for sure. in the great conference that it is now. Um, I, I, let's, let's take your last question first. No, I don't. I think you have really insightful point, Gerard. I don't think Jimmy, I, I know Jimmy doesn't like that from anybody. Uh, my sources, when he was with the Sixers, told me that he hated it there. They told me he was never going, going back because he didn't like being told to throw the ball in the post all the time. Like, like motherfucker, I know this is a quote. Motherfucker, I know when to throw the ball in the post. Like, I know how to play basketball. I know how good and how big Joel Embiid is. I don't need some coach yelling at me to do it. I have no idea if Brett Brown yelled that. I'm only telling you what I heard. So um, I don't think he loves being told anything, uh, as some guys are wanted. He can't tell Kyrie about vaccines. I don't think I don't think UD is probably coaching him as much as he was just protecting Spo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, so so uh, I, I I have a couple of thoughts on this now. Um, I don't think that came about because of something in that game. This this seems like a festering wound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's something going on inside the heat rotation. Mm-hmm. style of play, mm-hmm. calls that, that Jimmy doesn't like. And maybe mm-hmm. he's not alone. Mm-hmm. And so Udonis, I think, did a great thing, which is like, hey, now, there is a way to voice displeasure, but one way not to do it is to challenge our head coach in the middle of a game at a timeout on the bench. To the point where when, when Spo has to like almost laughingly say, I'm not going to fight you. Mm-hmm. Like, you've gone too far, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And now I have to threaten to beat your ass. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to remind you every single time I'm, I can beat your ass. I, I don't know who would win that fight, by the way. It would be bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two titanic men. Good Lord. Six foot nine going at it. Well, Strong as hell. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. But... Uh, I think I think Udonis did Jimmy a favor, which is, hey, now keep that shit to yourself in the public eye. Address it behind the scenes. Or, or I'm right here, and you don't want that. You can't win that, Jimmy. And Jimmy knows if I get thrown out of this place, but Chicago, Minnesota, Philadelphia, Miami, I'm on my fifth team, I mm-hmm. lose a lot of leverage. And maybe even some money. So I think I think the Heat are lucky Udonis did what he did. That being said, I am not someone who thinks you can just blow this off, Gerard. Mm-hmm. I'm not so, I, don't, I don't believe that necessarily everything's going to be fine because whatever was causing the, fric- the friction in the first place could still likely exist. In fact, I'm sure that it does. I, I, I can't say what I've heard, but mm-hmm. I, I've heard some things that, that, that couldn't be addressed, but they haven't been addressed yet. They haven't played a game yet. I'm very interested in what these next, this next week looks like. Mm-hmm. If they, they were playing fine, then they had two bad games. Jimmy did not play badly, by the way. He had been bad. He mm-hmm. shot well. In fact, he made his two threes against the Warriors in that game. I think it was the Warriors. Um, I, Gerard, I think we have to pay attention to, mm-hmm. to – I think they play the Nets this weekend. That's yep. a big fucking game. Mm-hmm. Let's see how they do. Uh, if they lose, let's just pay attention to mm-hmm. Jimmy and maybe Kyle, some of the veteran guys, how they're mm-hmm. reacting uh, because it, it – it, they wouldn't be the first team to splinter late. 
Mm-hmm. They also, mm-hmm. on the other hand, could galvanize behind mm-hmm. it and say, mm-hmm. let's just suppose the guy, suppose got tenure. Jimmy doesn't. Right. You're in, Jimmy Butler is not getting Spo fired. Right, correct. Can we agree on that? I mean, LeBron couldn't do it, so why, why would Jimmy Butler be able to do it? Boom. That was a better answer <laughs> than I had. Exactly right. So, so you can't win that, Jimmy. So let's just say, okay. And, and, and I watched Jimmy with J.J. Redick uh, in a podcast after mm-hmm. the Sixers thing. And, but he's a very bright man. Oh, yeah. He, he, there is nothing slow about his processing. He, kn- he knows where all the bodies are buried. He knows <laughs> how to play the political game for sure. He's not just an incredible athlete and player. He's a very bright man who has to factor in, okay, how is this going to play out and how do I act accordingly? Yeah. On this franchise, if I, I can do this in Minnesota and they can blame the Wolves, but I can't do this in Miami and not get the heat myself. And I don't want the heat. Mm-hmm. So let's just make sure that goes okay. Let's see how they do this week and then I'll feel better. But if, if, it's, if, it, if there's still some other stuff, I think they got some problems that, that are not going to go away fast. Yeah, I, I think. And, and again, your, your insight as a coach, because you're now managing egos and these are grown men who make a lot of money and all these different things. How difficult is it? I'm not saying hashtag heat culture is wrong. I, I'm not saying that at all. Having a culture of accountability and allowing people to speak their mind and be direct as Jimmy, it's all well and good. But I feel like if that is the environment that you foster, I feel like you're constantly walking this razor's edge, right? Of like, we got to make sure it doesn't teeter over into other stuff, right? And that's, if you start playing poorly, that becomes a very slippery line to walk. What do you think about that and having that type of culture within an NBA organization? I, I actually... This may sound ironic, but I actually think it's really valuable to let certain individuals know, not every team has individuals like this, but there are individuals that, that exist all over the world um, that don't know what, but what, how not to press the button, or how not to cross the line. And this is the, the, the gigantic German Shepherd, cross a Doran Pincher, cross with Lex Luthor, <laughs> evil genius, <laughs> in Udonis Haslam, like, don't fuck with that guy on the wall. And so I think I, I, this is my guess. My guess is that Jimmy now realizes I can't win this. And whoever else feels like Jimmy also realizes we can't do it this way. We can't fight Spo because here comes UD and we can't win that war in this city because it's, it's Udonis' city. It ain't mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade's city. He's mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City now. <laughs> this is back to being Dwayne City. I'm, I mean, a, a UD city. I'm telling you. I was just there. <laughs> if Haslam and Haslam knows the 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 father of the of the bride because I brought okay. them to his house one time it's my first cousin <laughs> he knows the the bride the, the father of the bride and groom he's been at their house before if he walked into that party which he, they had a game that night I don't think he, he would have like everyone would have just worshipped at the altar of <laughs> he owns that town and he, he's not just a player he's from there he mm-hmm. won two state championships there. He went to the most popular school in the state, mm-hmm. which was Florida, four and a mm-hmm. half hours up the road. And he owns restaurants and franchises like Subways and stuff mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. He's a man of the people in every way. The real deal, the real OG. So uh, Jimmy has to know all of that. And I don't know who his agent is, but the agent has to say, hey, there's a way to, to voice displeasure. You've earned the privilege of saying whatever you want to say in the right context. Pick your right spot. And let's move forward. And let's at least you got to get to the finals again. If you lose in the finals, it's a good year. Right. Let's face it. If you, if you yeah. win, better. But if you lose, no one can say they underachieved, in my opinion. Yeah, correct. I don't believe that. I think they, they've achieved very well if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals. After that, it's a 50-50 coin flip at best. Yeah. And I think part of the reading is, Coach, is that they have been playing poorly um, of late. And they do have a couple of important games coming up tonight against the Knicks and then Saturday against the Knicks. So the Nets will be a back-to-back for them against the New York teams wow. uh, tonight and tomorrow. So that'll be interesting. Look, to me, it's their late game offense, right? Like, it's we've been saying it all year. I just, uh, I don't know what it, <laughs> what it is, to be quite honest, right? When they're in tight games and you're putting a lot of pressure on Tyler Hero. He's a fantastic basketball player, but... You're giving up things on the other end defensively because we saw in that Philly game, they lost with, by the way, no Joel Embiid, no James Harden. What did Philly do? Every time down court, they ran action at Tyler Hero over and over and over and over. And it's just like, this is what the, you know, we talk about this in the playoffs. This is what they do. Gerard, that's it. I think that's it. Mm. This is my opinion. Now it's your opinion too. 
<laughs> I think it's not anything other than how are they defending and who they're playing with their, you know, on defense, who is in their rotation. I think that's the crux of Jimmy's concerns. I don't know who else is with them. I've, I've heard different things. We have to watch. I'll watch the next couple games and see. But, yes, what you said is exactly right. I think that they, they picked on Tyler. They picked on Duncan Robinson before. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're, they're, and maybe I'm wrong, but that would go along with heat culture pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I did not even realize that they had done that. But, but now that makes sense to me. It's probably based on effort or defense. Because what are they going to question Spoh on? Offensive stuff? Right. Jimmy does right. whatever he wants anyway. Tyler <laughs> runs ball screens. Jimmy does whatever he right. wants. And he's great. He's amazing. But my guess is they're, they're, they're missing that piece uh, in, in Jimmy's mind anyway. And maybe it's a strategy. Maybe it's we should be trapping more to protect guys. You know, that's mm-hmm. fair to guess that. Jimmy, mm-hmm. Jimmy's not one of these guys, as nor should he, should he be, to just accept what Spoh is saying as being this is the gospel truth for how we should defend. Jimmy's allowed to have an opinion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's, he's super smart and he's played what, 12 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that they're going to have to figure that part out. And they will. Yeah, they will. And the playoffs are, I mean, God, we're, we're, we got, most teams got eight to 11 games or so yeah. left. I mean, we're, it's the home stretch. This is, this is going to get exciting. Yeah. Speaking of the home stretch for one team, you wrote an article that came out on Troop today. The Los Angeles Lakers, right now, folks, they are in a record tie with the New Orleans Pelicans. The New Orleans Pelicans, by the way, who started this season 1-12. So basically, they've essentially played about 500 basketball since then to make themselves get back into the into right. the playing tournament. Kudos to Willie Green, by the way, for getting those guys yeah. to, to play good ball. Uh, before we get... Uh, well, we'll talk about your article and what you're seeing about the Lakers. Would it surprise you if the Pelicans beat the Lakers in the playing tournament in that first game and knock them out? Nope, not at all. <laughs> first of all, they might have Zion. You see the film? I, I did. Although the Belicans said no Zion this year. They came out and said, despite what you're seeing, he is not playing. Oh, I did not know that. He's yeah, out they, even for the yes, playoffs? Yes, they said he's not playing. He's not coming out this season. Yes, they said I he still, wasn't going to play this season. So so you've heard me say this before. Great teams tend to play great. Good teams tend to play good. Bad teams mm-hmm. tend to play bad, whatever. But they all live in each other's categories sometimes. The great teams rarely play badly. The bad teams rarely play great. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. The Lakers are very capable of losing to everyone on the planet. They, they're not going to lose to Gonzaga. Right? They're not going to lose to Arizona. They're going to right. college team, Villanova, who's fantastic now. But um, they could lose to the Pelicans. Yeah. I, I have zero, zero confidence. I don't know who's playing for them. LeBron would probably play. Is Ingram going to play? I don't know. AD? You don't even know? Like, I mean, uh, AD, right. Yeah, yeah. probably will. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, they're toast. Their seasons, they're just... <laughs> <laughs> not gonna happen this year, right? Not gonna happen. Do you agree? Oh, I'm with you 100%. So it used to be, and this is the crux of your article, that all you needed was it's like the, the, you know the 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 lottery uh, slogan. All you need is a dollar and a dream. Well, for LeBron <laughs> for to win a championship, all you need is LeBron and a dream, right? That's it. And you're you well at year 19 at 37 years old, not so much anymore. He's still doing excellent things, but you need the right pieces around him to have that excellence actually matter. And the Lakers roster, as we've talked about all season, is just, I mean, they're not good. Like, right? I mean, just about everybody on that roster is a net negative on estimated plus minus, which means when they're on the floor, the team is worse. They, they actually give up points, right? Per 100 possessions, or they get outscored per 100 possessions when everybody's on the floor, besides LeBron James. That ain't a recipe for success. Like, you're going you're gonna to be under 500. 2010 LeBron James, I would pick them to win the playing game against the Pelicans. <laughs> But not the 2017 version. Yeah. Or t- 2022 version. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the 2017. Definitely not the 2022. Hello. Yeah. It's been a long time. Um, uh, they, it's unfair. It's, uh, it's, and I wrote this. It is, it is a mistake of management to construct a team so dependent on a 37-year-old guy. Because he, they'd be amazing if he – they'd be very good if he was the old LeBron. But he's old LeBron, not the old LeBron. And that comes out with his defense. Offensively, he's a joke. And I wrote this too. Uh, for him to, be, to, to do what he's doing offensively is a sign that his mind is still incredible. No surprise. As I, as I wrote, Benjamin Franklin was inventing stuff in his 40s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He didn't even do that before then. Well, LeBron's not even, he's 37. The, that, that brilliance is still there. That incredible mind is still there, which means it's there for defense too. But he doesn't have the energy for both. 
That's my argument is he's got to rest on that side. And yeah, you could say, will he do it in the playoffs? Well, I watched last year. You know, I don't think so. I don't think he's got that kind of energy the way he'll need it. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think that they're, I think they're likely, I think it's 50, 50 in the play in because they're, they're both teams are equally probably the same. And then Davis went, I went ahead and pissed off the Suns. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. which I wrote too. So now instead of coming in as the meek underdog that maybe surprised Phoenix in game one and Phoenix and, then you go home and maybe win two, and now you're three one. No, Phoenix no is going to be focused and angry. Chris Paul is going to be ready to go. I mean, AD basically said that Phoenix is it's all luck that they're not very. He, essentially, he said they're not good, right? Because when you say the only reason why you want is you're you're saying I'm, we're not good enough. We are not good. These are pride. This is Chris Paul and Devin Booker. We're talking about here. My favorite story about Book is the one you told me when he got his draft workout, um, and he had to play king of the court, right? And like, you know, he's like, "Well, am I leaving?" these dudes right like fuck that like no they have to do the scoring to get me off of here i'm not moving off this court that's it i mean he's one of those chip on the shoulder kind of dudes oh, yeah. right and oh, it's chris paul do you know what i mean he is the number he is right. the number one chip on shoulder dude right? right like i just and that team is i mean ayton and crowder and cam johnson cam and johnson the, mikhail bridges yeah, oh the, yo, Williams. I, yeah i was watching them last night gerard i'm glad we're talking about phoenix i was watching them Last night, yeah. First of all, I forgot that Chris Paul had, was, was out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Forgot that he was back. To me, mm-hmm. he's like been with the Suns for 25 years already. I'm used to seeing him with the Suns. But what I loved is I'm watching Monty Williams on the court. And Phoenix kind of took over the game. They were losing against mm-hmm. Denver. And Monty is on the bench, and he's talking to his assistants. But he's doing this thing where he's rubbing his face and thinking. And I just love this guy so much. I just feel like. He, he has got this team in his heart, and I think he's in their hearts. And that's, that is not easy to accomplish with men and, mm-hmm. or, or professional sports. They, they are of one mind. And, and yeah. Monty, I don't think curses, Mm-mm. but I could just see, I, I hope, I hope this story leaks out that, the Lake, that they're the, they're the number one seed. The Lakers beat New Orleans. They're in the, they're in the play-in against Phoenix. And I hope uh, Monty walks to the board and he's got his back covering the whiteboard. And you see him writing something, you know what it is? And he moves and it says, fuck the Lakers. <laughs> you know? That's what I want. Like, you want, you, nothing else, what else needs to be said? They already know what to do X and O wise. Just like these motherfuckers said that about us. All right, here we go. And, and the good news is we don't, have to, we don't have to beat their ass one game. We, we can do it four games in a row. Like, let's embarrass them. Because they're capable of doing that, even if they yes. is healthy. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, LeBron's incredible and capable of putting it together an amazing game. Hard to imagine he can do two in a row, and he's going to have to do that a few times to knock off that team. Um, I'm glad we're on the Suns. Um, they clinched the overall number one seed last night, um, so they will have the best record uh, throughout the playoffs and have home court advantage regardless of wh- wherever they play, um, whatever, whatever round they advance to. There's something about the Suns, Coach, because you mentioned it. Not They weren't so much playing with their food, but through three quarters, Denver was winning, right? But there is a moment in the fourth quarter, and the Suns are the best crunch time team in the NBA by far. I think their net rating is like plus 30. It's ridiculous. Because in the fourth quarter, Chris Ball will get you into excellent offense 99 out of 100 times. Yep. And in, we know in the playoffs that can you get a quality shot when you need to? The Suns? Yes, because they know exactly what they're doing. And they have got awesome weapons. Bridges, Aiton, Devin, Devin Booker, of course, killing you in the mid-range and from behind the arc. I want you to put your coach hat on now. Okay, we got the best record sewed up. We, the Suns have eight games left in the regular season. So roughly, I guess, well, two weeks. And then they have that week off because they're not in the play until the playoffs start. How would you handle these next eight games and that week off in between now and the playoffs, if you were coaching the Phoenix Suns? I, I don't, I think they've done enough where they, they're, I think they're pretty synchronized. Just wait here, Max. I think they're pretty synchronized. Um, I'd focus more on rest and recovery than anything else. Uh, I, I think that's the most valuable thing for them. They're going to have a long run probably. And uh, so I wouldn't mind. First of all, I, I play younger guys. I maybe try some things. The guys will want to play. You got to let them have some feedback on this. I would, I would want to hear from Devin and Chris. Well, Chris has been out, but mm-hmm. he's played a lot. He, he could write the book on basketball. DeAndre, all the guys, like, guys, what do you want to do? 
I'm asking you as a coach to play less, but what do you want to do? What are some of your incentives for your contract, those kinds of things? I, I, I want to win every game we play with whoever we play, but I'm not going to do it, try to play in you guys 36 minutes a game. And, and, and then game to game, I talk to them. Hey, guys, if they feel like we've lost two in a row, we need, to, we need to try to go ahead and play a little bit. I would listen to them. But I would do a collaborative thing at this level. High school, yeah. shut up. I'll make the decisions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pros, I, I'll let these guys have a lot of say. No, that makes perfect sense. I, um, I, I'm with you there. I think I, I would opt for rest as well, too. But you don't want to – basketball players like rhythm, right? They, they like to kind of – they're used to playing every other night. They want to kind of get – and they're going to have a week off anyway at the regular season ends. So they probably don't want too much of that. So I, I'm with you. I'd see where they are, and I, I want to get a vibe on that. All right, we have Max Thorpe in the room. Does he want to say hello yeah, really quickly yeah, before right. he takes off? <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk a little uh, college hoops. Okay, I don't think my Can you get in there? There you go. Hello. He's in there. Hello, Max Thorpe. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? So for those of you who are listening and not, and not watching this video, uh, Max is uh, one of Coach Thorpe's kids. Um, he plays basketball at Florida State University, as you all know. Uh, a little rough season for FSU. You guys had some some players out. It was a little little rough. But how have you been enjoying your experience as a college basketball player? Um, I mean, I think it's pretty amazing. We're getting to travel the world and see all these amazing teams and players. Uh, like all these players are going to get drafted. I'm playing with them. I'm playing against them. It's an amazing experience, you know, going against and competing against some of the best players in college basketball. So it's really awesome. Being in the ACC, one of the best conferences in the country, is really awesome. So it's really been a fantastic experience, and I got a few more years, so I'm really going to cherish it and have a good time. Excellent job, Coach. Moving the microphone over, number one. Number two, uh, Max, how much media training have you gotten? Because that already sounds like a polished pro answer. Like, you just uh, hit you hit all the talking points already. We had, uh, we had a little bit of media training <laughs> last year for COVID because we had to get ready for Zoom interviews. So we had like 30 minutes of that, and... <laughs> That's probably about it. So I guess I can thank our media. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're lucky in that what your dad does, you're on a lot of pros when you were young. Yeah. So the jump for you going from high school to college probably isn't as scary as it is for some other kids, right? Where they're like, holy hell, these dudes are so good. You're used yeah, to seeing. As scary, I was kind of used to the size and speed. I mean, it's still different when you're like their age. So you got to start playing with them. Like when it's a pro, uh, you kind of admire them as well. That's an NBA player. And then when it's your teammate, it's like, oh, that's just my teammate. So, I mean, it's a little bit getting used to that aspect. But the, the size and speed of it all, I thought I was pretty used to. Lucky. See, good, good, good on you, Coach Thorpe, on getting them ready for that. All right. Your, your bracket, I hear, is, I mean, I know, you know, you suffered a tough loss last night, as most people did with Gonzaga going it down. A rough night last night, but it was, it was looking great before. <laughs> All right, with what's left now, what do you what do you see happening from the rest of this week 16 into Elite Eight? Who do you like in the Final Four and National Championship? Purdue and Kansas, I think, are the two best teams left. I think uh, Kansas has one of the best guards in the country. Um, and then uh, Purdue's big men are fantastic, and Ivy's also fantastic for Purdue. Their offense is amazing. So I really like those two teams. But uh, Houston is super physical, and Duke doesn't want to lose for Coach K, so you really don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Paolo was really good last night to ride. He and I were watching the game together in my office, which is in the other part of this room that I'm in now. And um, I said, like, Paolo needs to step up, and he did, uh, which is not something he's always done. But I will tell you, his team got thumped by Purdue at Purdue early in the season. Jaden Ivey hit the first four threes he shot. Yeah. But he is an incredible athlete, and, and his mom's a coach. So he, Oh, he yeah, and Notre Dame, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he, he attacks angles like a pro. He's only a couple years into his career. And then also, I haven't even asked Max about this. They also got smacked this year at Carolina. Mm-hmm. And Carolina's Carolina good. is still around. And they're an eight seed. But do you think, Max, like, do you think they're good enough to, to keep winning? Or they always have a bad game somewhere down the road? Uh, I picked them to the, my final four in my bracket. Did so. you really? Uh, my lead eight, my lead eight. Oh, so yeah, I think okay. they're really good. I think their two guards, R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, are both pros. Um, they're fantastic. And then Baycott's a walking double-double. And then they got a 6'10 shooter, Brady Manick, who is really hard to defend. He's so tall, and he can really shoot it. So he was a transfer from Oklahoma? Transfer from Oklahoma. Yeah. He played with Trey Young his freshman year in Oklahoma. So mm. They got some really good pieces. And then Hubert Davis has seemed to get it rolling. So I really like North Carolina, too. They play with a good tempo. They can really shoot the ball. So if they get their offense going, then they're really hard to stop. He, 
Remember, this guy hated college now. He was he was spoiled. In my office, he, every night he'd get done his homework. He would just come in my office. We'd watch NBA games. Very rarely put on college. It's, it's well, turned around a lot. Uh, well, listen, he, he's in the ACC now. He's got a, all right, so I, I got an ACC question for you. I know because I talked to a bunch of ACC kids overall, and I know the answer they usually give me, but I'm going to ask you. Of all the ACC teams, which is the one you hate the most? I know the answer to this one. <laughs> What's the, uh, what's the one video you sent me before the game? Dude. Our saying kind of before the game with like our players, we just kept saying, fuck Duke. <laughs> it started with Purdue. It started with Purdue. Fuck Purdue. And then it kind of rolled along. <laughs> and we kind of used it for everything. But we emphasized in our dude. Just fuck Duke. And, and Duke's doing the same thing when yeah. they play Carolina whatever. Of course, of course. But Duke, Duke's the one. Any ACC person I ask, it's like, it's always like, like Carolina, we can deal with fine, whatever. But yeah. Duke, they, they hate those dudes. Yeah, yeah. Duke is, um, is. Max, give me your Jaden Ivey scout because people are telling me, no, I don't, people don't lose your minds when you hear this. They're giving me John Morant light as like, as, as what Jaden Ivey can do. But give me your scouting report on Jaden Ivey. I think that is a good comparison. He's super fast. He's probably one of the fastest guys I've ever seen in the full court. Um, he attacks angles really well, and he he couldn't shoot it that great last year, but he's shooting it at a better clip this year. I'm, I'm not sure what his percentages are, but you definitely have to respect him as a shooter. I think um, he's also really good at the ball screens, and he's got some really good big men, so he makes some easy passes to them, and he seems like a pretty complete player right now. I think he's one of the best guards coming out of the draft, so I, I think he's really good and really talented. He's a top five guy. Yeah. Is he, is he a sophomore? What year is he? Yeah, but he's young. He's, he played for the USA team in the summer. Or this wow, so he's he's definitely coming out. You think? Yeah, he's no a, he, he, I I think it's a four. I think you have four players definitely going one, two, three, four. Paolo, Jabari, him, Chet, and Chet. Yeah, that's what I think. And then and then who knows who will be at number five? But it's hard to not come back when you know your top four. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, he, I think some people think he could go number one. Dry. That's how good he is. Wow, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna get excited now. Like, who's gonna who's gonna get the number one pick? Let's see lottery balls. Or Orlando, God, they need like they need another guard, like a hole in the head. Houston, well, then you got the whole Jalen Green thing. You know, man, it's interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Exciting, yeah, exciting. It, gets it. Orlando could have it, too. Um, um, all right, Max, you have watched a lot of NBA games. You play college, so I know you got to be careful about what you say about referees. But what was going on in that game last night? I mean, look, I'll say it. You, you can't say it. I thought, I thought NCAA, I all of them, but NCAA refs are the worst. They stink. Like they're just yeah, they're, to me, they're terrible. They're bad really bad. Calls. We were we were yelling <laughs> at the screen a lot. Arizona, I remember they called two terrible calls on their point guard Kerr, and I needed him in the game for Arizona. <laughs> um, Chet, I thought kind of got screwed a little bit in some bad calls. I thought he was just he was trying not to foul, and they still were calling fouls. Um, I don't know. I think when games get really physical, refs kind of just start calling fouls everywhere, and um, to try to stop the physicality and. Uh, it can lead to some bad calls, I think. You think they do a lot of sort of anticipatory whistles versus like what's actually happening on the floor? It's like, oh, we think something's coming. A little bit of a whistle now. I yeah, so. I would agree with that. I think, I mean, the NBA is going to get the best refs. So I think there's like, obviously, they're not as good as NBA refs. So sometimes you're just going to make bad calls. But also, I feel like there's pressure. Like, no one wants to blow a bad call against Coach K's final game, you know? So there's pressure in that aspect. And then the NCAA tournament's hard. So I think it's definitely hard on the refs, but... They're also are making some bad calls, though. But I don't know. You just got to live with it, I guess. Right. Coach, this is Max is so, like, I mean, I know you want to run an NBA team, but, like, you can just do sideline if you want or media. You can be, like, a color analyst. What the hell? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, if we were talking Chinese economy, he wouldn't know what to do. His <laughs> <laughs> knowledge base is still relatively limited. He's just 20 years old. But this is a, these are subjects that he's somewhat comfortable with. We've, uh, we've been talking about basketball in this house for a long time. Uh, really quick, Max, before you go, give me Chet Holmgren, scout, scouting report on him. So I haven't watched him all too much. I've, I, mean, I watched him last night, but I think, I mean, it's hard to guard when you're seven, one or seven foot and you can shoot the ball. I think that's really, uh, really promising as potential wise. I mean, he's got to put some weight on, but he'll get older and he'll get stronger as time. Tell about, tell about Paolo though. Cause he played Duke twice yeah, this year. I, I like Paolo a lot. I like Paolo mm -hmm. Chet, to be honest with you. I think, Paolo, yeah. I mean, he's a grown man at 19 years old and you can't really teach that at all. Yeah. He's so yeah. strong. He's so confident. He can shoot the ball. He can handle the ball. He can defend. He can really he, pass. He can pass. He can play the four or the five, which I like too, because I think teams can go small ball and play him at the five and kind of cause some uh, problems. So I really like Paulo. I think he's 
the second best player. I think Jabbar Smith is the best player in the draft. But, I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with Chet, Paolo, or Jabbar. I think they're all amazing. How tall is Paolo? 6'10", I would say. Yeah, 6'10". Okay. And he's already got the NBA body. So he's, oh, he's ready to roll. No question. He's, he's ripped. Yeah, you can tell. You can tell he's a, he's a grown man, and uh, he'll be able to uh, bang with some NBA guys right off the jump for sure. I love it, Max. This was awesome, buddy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Listen, we're gonna have to have you back soon when you're, you know, when you're, you're turning twenty-one. I hear your mom and your and your sister are coming up for your party. Um, you know, yeah. you're gonna crash your party. Two months, I say. Two months, right? Yeah. Turn twenty one. Yeah. But they're not gonna be there for the after after party, right? They're, well, they're they gonna might if they can make it that long. <laughs> Coach, he is you have a wonderful son. What? Folks should know that's the first time I've ever met Max and it's virtual. Um how tall is he? Six three. Okay, so you see a nice NBA point guard height. Um yeah, I mean unfortunately well not unfortunately. He's very happy to be a big guard you, but a right. big guard you, six three is small. Oh, oh yeah, I mean big, six six seven is big argue, right? Like yeah. they switch every damn screen. Yeah, his his he had a freshman teammate who's six foot six and still growing. He's got a size sixteen shoe and he was a freshman on the team. He's a very talented player, but yeah. Is Max um, still growing? What's that? Is Max still growing? Probably. You no, know, we right? thought he might. He's he's okay. just now able to get some facial hair. He'd never had it okay. before until this year, really. Okay. But no, I think he's probably done. I grew through my nineteenth year, but okay. not after that. I think he's probably done at six three. He's fine. Hey, I I got no complaints. He can. St- he's still um, not having to only buy it big and tall and tailored clothes and all of that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a whole other level. I was able to give him some of my old shoes from back in the day because he he they they still fit. Um, you you some- know what we're gonna do? I I had a thought. The NBA is expanding, so we're gonna have some new franchises soon. Yeah. We talked about how I need how I'm trying to get a hold of the big money. We're gonna buy an NBA franchise. Yeah. Max is gonna run it. Right, the the whole you know player op- basketball operations, all that stuff. You're gonna be head of scouting and player development. Henry is gonna be head of content. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm just gonna be there. <laughs> I accept. I accept. Any job with you guys would be. Listen, the truth is, Gerard, if I could one day ever work with my son every and see him every day, you like, would I love can't it. even imagine how lucky I would feel. I don't think that'll happen, but you I would love, would it. love it. All right, let's talk about the Grizz really quick. Um, They had a big win against Brooklyn on Wednesday night. All access. ESPN was there all week. It was uh, quite the the to-do. John Morant did not play, and we learned that uh, Nisornis, who will be reevaluated in two weeks, so he's going to be out for the rest of the regular season, it looks like. And one of the things about Ja that I've always said, I know you felt the same way, is the way he plays frightens me just because of, like, the amount of explosiveness and how he lands. Listen, I, I want him to go see our good friend Marcus Elliott out of E3. And, <laughs> hey, man, however you got to work on making him land appropriately so the knees last long. Look, your knees only have so many jumps in them, right? I don't know what the number is, but it's whatever it is. And then that's it. That's just, that's just how life goes. Um, so I'm not worried. The, the Grizzlies clinched. They are um, have their playoff spot. They've won 51 games. I doubt the Warriors catch them. Um, they play well without Ja, so I think they're going to be fine. Um, but what are you looking at with the Grizzlies and what are you seeing as maybe some areas of concern as we get ready for the postseason? Well, so first of all, what are they, 15 and two without Morant? Yeah, 17 and two now. They're going to need him to in the playoffs. Yeah, you're not not going to win in the playoffs without him. I think you and I can agree on that. Same as the Warriors need Curry. Um, my, my, you and I are going to be so alike on this, I'm sure. Uh, I think last year they lost in five games. They, they beat Utah in game one and got run out in the next four, but they were relatively competitive games. They didn't get blown out. They just lost in five. Uh, all right, we got to see more progress now. Let's execute better. Let's defend better. Let's adjust better. Let's, make, uh, let's not just have the coaches make the adjustments. Let's execute those adjustments better in the postseason. Let's, let's, Dylan Brooks played unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Let's have more of that in these games and get to the second round or maybe even the third round. Which, mm-hmm. which if you win that, now you're in the finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a matter of tighten up the screws a little bit. Uh, less bad plays, more good plays. Um, the, the, it's a war of attrition. Their depth, people mm-hmm. are saying, uh, I just talked to Zach Lowe about this. Uh, uh, people are saying, well, you know, depth isn't as important in the postseason. And my response has always been, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> guys get hurt all the time. So if you're saying rotation depth, oh, I, I get right. that. Yeah. I mm-hmm. understand where you, you're tight in rotations, although in some cases I don't think you should. I think fresher guys would be better. 
but you better survive tweaked ankles or bruised mm-hmm. sternums or whatever we've all the things we've seen, and their depth helps mm-hmm. in that situation. Mm-hmm. And so now uh, we've just got to play better, more consistently, more often uh, to get through these series. We're not uh, novices anymore. We've been to the playoffs. We played the best team last year in the playoffs. Now we're the favorite. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. Is that that I'm telling you, I, I I mean they're they're more professional than I was in my 20s, but I realized when I was coaching in my 20s, Gerard, at 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 big camps with lots of talent, when I'd be the top seed, I felt I I was a worse coach in the playoffs in those situations when my team was the favorite, and I luckily caught myself real and realized why am, am I am I always the most optimistic guy and cheerleader guy as a coach during the regular week or so, but now in the playoffs, I'm Mr. Surly, sarcastic jerk guy. <laughs> and I stop. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm, my guys are even tighter because of me. Yeah. Well, I don't think Taylor Jenkins is that problem. He, he's a terrific coach, but there's a pressure when you're the favorite. Mm-hmm. And, and who might they play in, in round one? Mm-hmm. Some rules, maybe. Some, mm-hmm. uh, Clippers? Clippers, Timberwolves, who knows? Nuggets, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, there, there's some really good coaches and really good teams that will relish being the underdog because mm-hmm. they're not used to that. Mm-hmm. That is a, that's a mind fuck, to be honest yes. with you. When one team has been the chaser, it's suddenly the chased, and the team that's yeah. so tired of being chased is now chasing. Mm-hmm. Like we saw the Clippers against the Jazz last year when Kawhi went down. Mm-hmm. Like That is going to be hard to deal with. And mm-hmm. so they've got, to, they've got to tighten up their, not the rotation, but the way they play and really – lock in and then i think they'll be fine they're a very very good team yes but there's no script that says they'll do it and if they don't do it they could lose yeah i'm with you i agree 100 the other thing too is you know we say it all the time regular season basketball and playoff basketball is different in that in the regular season in veteran guys say all the time like i was listening to katie say the other day is like man the regular season you got to give me every other night you're trying to just make it through no injuries to get ready so you can Memphis oftentimes, because of the way they play, they play hard, right? That third night in four games, whatever, that gets you a lot of wins. Just the way they compete, whistle the whistle. Well, in the postseason, every team you play is going to complete whistle the whistle, right? So your advantage in that category ain't going to be like it was in the regular season, right? To your point, what are you executing in the half court, right? Can you get to your play over and over? Can you get guys executing on defense, switch correctly, get in the right position, right? All those different things that in the regular season, when again, a team's like, uh, you know, we, we went up and we, we don't got the legs. We can't, we, we can't chase them, right? I mean, the Brooklyn game I thought was a perfect example. Memphis goes up big, right? Third quarter comes, Katie and Kyrie do Katie and Kyrie things. And it's like, all right, but they're old. So they use a lot of energy getting caught back up. Memphis starts the fourth quarter. The young legs are feeling good. We step on the gas again and we shoot ahead, right? That type of, you know, zigzag balance doesn't really happen in the postseason that way, right? Like teams know when they're ready and they're adjusted. So it's going to be a different kind of warfare for them. But I love what I see out of them. They're your kind of team coach in that everybody's standing up cheering for everybody's success. John Morant's hurt, he's but he's great. on the bench getting up and he's running great. out in the court like, ah, all that, all that stuff that you like. Like, they're, they're a connected together team. Clearly, they love playing for one another, which, look, that matters. Because if I care about my brother and the guy next to me, I'm going to sell out on defense and do what I got to do. If I hate that motherfucker, eh, I might not. <laughs> well... I caught what you said about it. They do that. Yes, you said that the kind of stuff that you like, but you like it too. <laughs> you like it too, buddy. And here's and here's why. It's because Jaw's still in year three. Curry's won as many championships as Jaw's played seasons. Mm-hmm. Am I right, or is it two? Yes. No. Th- no three. three. Year yeah. three. Mm-hmm. Hello. I went blank for a minute. Right. Three or five. So, uh, uh, Jokic is one of the world's best players. Like all these teams have something the Grizzlies don't. But the Grizzlies have something a lot of these teams don't, which is that young passion, that young connection. They, they'll, it'll be beaten out of them. Like Durant, <laughs> Durant, Durant, I think Durant can be a great teammate. He isn't always. Yeah. Um, but he can be. And you, you've heard me talk about this before. I think he plays the game the right way in almost every case. Uh, it, the league beats it out of you a little bit, unless you're 
the rare guy. Like, I still think Steph has so much joy. Mm-hmm. I think that's why Clay is so rare and Draymond's mm-hmm. so rare. Draymond hates the world, and that plays. <laughs> that really plays in the postseason. Clay, nothing bothers the dude. Yeah. That combination, and Steph is so joyous. That, that, there's, a, there's a reason they're magical together. Yep. yep. I think the Grizzlies have that. Yes. Right. So. And, and Phoenix has the edge, as you already talked about, with, mm-hmm. with Chris Paul and Booker, who are like Draymond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they can score. <laughs> yeah. Draymond can't. Draymond takes it out a different way. Um, yeah. I think Memphis, uh, I mean, they're just a really interesting team. When I was talking to Zach Lowe about the playoffs, he made a really good point. I know you'll love this. Memphis versus Minnesota is a hell of a round one that mm. only basketball true NBA fans would appreciate. Correct. But Cat, Cat and Anthony Edwards versus John Morant and Bain and Triple J, mm. great must-see basketball if you like basketball. And you know what's going to happen, Coach? They're going to put that series on NBA TV, and it's going to piss me off. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> going to think about it. I mean, I, we don't care because we, we, we're, we're, we're watching it. Yeah. But it's because they're market size. Memphis is maybe the smallest market yeah. after New Orleans, and then Minnesota ain't a great market either. So right. that's an NBA TV series. And it's a shame because that should be on one of the channels that the casual fan can find a, because of the star power in that. And in they're that young. Game. Like, these guys that's are going to be around for a long time. But right, yeah. uh, Ja, what, Edwards, 21, 22. Ja, mm-hmm. same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bain, second year in the league. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Cat's the old guy at 26 or whatever, 27, right. I right. think. 25, Maybe not 26, even that yeah. 26, yeah, he's young. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about what talent, right? Cat so versus Steven Adams. Like, there's a lot Woo! of stuff there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look real quick at the, the, the races, Coach. You got some – the sixth seed isn't locked up in either conference. Right now in the East, it's a tie in, in record. The yeah. Cavaliers have the tie record over the, over the Raptors right now, yeah. but they're tied. And in the Western Conference, the Nuggets and Timberwolves are a game separated them right now. I mean – what an advantage to get that six seed, know who your opponent is, and have a week off before the playoffs start. If, uh, for sure, you're right. If Toronto's the seventh seed and the Nets stay at the eighth seed, that game mm-hmm. is played in, in Toronto. Toronto. Correct. No I mean, Kyrie. Play. Correct. I think Toronto is surging up, though. I do, too. I think, I think, I think they'll end up with the sixth seed. I thought that so for a I. while. So and then I. Fred got hurt, but I think he's back. Um, the way Toronto plays... All those teams in the East at three are in, are in trouble. I, I, I'm not predicting anyone winning or losing. I don't have to pick anything. I don't know who's playing and who's <laughs> healthy. I will make that prediction when we get to it. Um, the way Toronto is playing, though, and Siakam is mm-hmm. climb right now. Scotty's mm-hmm. unbelievable as a rookie. OG is back. Yeah. That's a by big the way, deal. By the way, to your point, if Boston is a three seed and Toronto is six, Jeez. we've seen – OG Ananobi lock up Jason Tatum in a postseason. Oh, we I saw forgot it. about that. It happened. Again, the greatest Tatum is, and it's not just OG that can throw at him. They can throw Pascal. They can throw Scotty Barnes. I mean, they got nothing but six foot nine long arm dudes for days on that on that roster. Nothing but that. I, how far? I'm not looking at it. How far is Boston from the two? I think they're a, a, a game and a half. I mean, it's it's tight. It's yeah, tight. man, it's. Because I, I, Boston, Toronto, the two teams, Boston because you can't score on them, and Toronto because of how different they play and the length they have. Mm-hmm. They're really hitting the ball, uh, hit ahead passes to mm-hmm. sealers and posters inside. Siakam doing what he does in the half court. Fred Van Vliet, you know, they're, they're, I, I joke with people, there are a bunch of 6'8, 6'9 dudes, and the one guy that isn't thinks he is. <laughs> Fred walks around like he's 6'9, right? He, he walks around like he's 6'9, Brad Pitt. <laughs> he just got that swagger about him and and you know if you to me anyway that what was the i like how you say it what was the jaw line about smoke oh we're climbing up the chimney we're not ducking no smoke right that sounds like something fred thinks every day of his life mm-hmm. you know there's nothing soft about that dude he is mm-hmm. he is something else so well you, you have to be to be that right. size in the league i mean and not an athlete <laughs> I mean, right. not in terms of jumping and running and all of that. He is not special that way. He is the guy making my, my son study. This summer, I, was this starting now? Starting gets back to school today on Synergy. He's going to be watching Fred VanVleet on defense. Love because it. Love that it. dude does it with toughness and intelligence and understanding angles and IQ. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are things my son could have. Fred's got him. He's, yeah. 
they're, I love watching the Raptors play. They're my favorite teams, and not just because of Scotty. All right, we got to get out of here because we're going to be going over an hour soon. Let's do our top fives really quick before we get out of here. I got Mavs at five, Bucks at four, Memphis three, Celtics two, Suns one. Celtics, Suns, that's the, that top three is the exact same as the last couple of weeks. I love it when we have the exact same top five. That's yeah. mine. <laughs> All to right. Yeah. It is. We're starting to see who's good. All right, guys. Thank you so much for rocking with us. As always, have a great weekend. We will see you on Monday. Take care.